0: the 158th episode of The Sausage Factory, which is brought to you by Spong.com and hosted by me, Chris O'Regan. In this show, we interview video game developers and ask them how they made their start making games, what their influences are and who inspires them. Split into two halves, shows initially focus on the developer themselves, and in the second half we discuss the game they're here to promote. Which in this case is Muscarada Songs and Shadows by Witching Hour <laughs> Studios.
1: Ian Hello. Who are you? And what do you do? I am Ian Gregory Tan, the creative director of Witching Hour Studios, and Masquerada came from my head. I- wow.
0: So that's, <laughs> that's 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 quite a thing. Um, lovely yeah. name, lovely name for a studio, by the way. I do ask developers about their names of their studios when they're itch- when they're itching uh, so sort of interesting like this. So itching, <laughs>
1: witching, so Witching Hour. I
0: mean, uh, what is that? Is it like 2 a.m.? I can't remember
1: now. Uh, It's 3 a.m. It's the witching hour. It's 3 a.m. in the morning. And the reason why we picked it was because we started the studio very much as a side gig first. Uh, I was uh, freelancing to feed myself. I was uh, doing school and at the same time decided to start the studio. So guess what time we worked on the uh, studio stuff.
0: You see, I hear a lot of this, you know, people having day jobs and they're working... You know, they might be working on tools for uh, manufacturing plants. You know, computer tools to, and and uh, during the day, which is you know rewarding in of itself, I guess. Uh, but mm-hmm. then they go home and they make amazing video games. <laughs> but, they, but that means they get about 20 minutes sleep and uh, eventually suffer a psychosis. So clearly, you decided that probably wasn't the greatest thing to do, uh, and uh, you eventually sort of dived into this full time
1: yeah pretty much uh i think after my school ended i you know we figured out that this is actually a viable path to take and one thing i'm very grateful for is that i had a a full ride i had a scholarship through uh school so that i didn't have the financial burden of a you know of loans or anything like that so taking that risk was uh, that much more easier
0: okay so i mean is this your first title? because my first formal question to you is how did you make your start making video games
1: uh, we started with actually a mobile game called Ravenmark, and it's a, uh, sh- a turn based strategy game. And it's about commanding legions of troops, and uh, we kind of put in things that uh, you don't usually see in, ter- uh, in turn based strategy right now, like formations and wheeling your regiments and things like that. That
0: is peculiar. I mean, they do positioning, that's the closest you
1: get. You know, you get flanking. They yep. do flanking. Yep. It's just so you can actually flank, you can actually um, backstab a whole regiment, and you wheel it. So that means you connect. You know, you're usually used to seeing a unit in a box. We can actually connect three boxes of units and wheel them around and maneuver them to, to, for, for extra effect. Okay, okay.
0: And how about you personally? When did you start making video games? I love asking. You can go back as far as you like as well. When did you start really delving into creative side of of computers or video
1: games? As I say, well, actually, I think uh, I cut my teeth far more on something uh, very analog. I play lots of Dungeons and Dragons, uh, which is a rare thing to say here in Singapore. It's not; it doesn't have the same traction it does in the UK and the US. So I was playing Dungeons & Dragons when I was 14, 15, nearly unheard of. And every time I wanted to introduce a friend to it, it would take like a five-hour conversation about the merits of what exactly the hell I'm doing. And, uh, that's kind why of is that, may I ask? Yeah. Do, you, do you have yeah. any
0: idea why that would be? Why? Uh, why, why, why I, yeah, why? What, is it a cultural thing, may I ask? I'm just curious. Just a, why was there a pushback against this strange game? Because quite frankly, D&D is a very weird game. But carry on. It's...
1: It, <laughs> it's It's a very weird game, but uh, the, the whole concept of it is very uh, it's very alien here in Asia. This whole idea of you sitting around a table and using your imagination. Yeah. what are you kidding? Is your imagination going to feed you? No, go get go do your homework. you know so the, the whole mentality of uh, spending time with friends that way was a little bit awkward, a little bit weird, and uh, it's a it's a very western idea of this expression of self. So it took me a long time to get my friends on board to play it with me. But that's actually where I cut my teeth on designing because I was nearly constantly the game master. So I had to come up with interesting concept ideas, stories, characters that would engage my, my friends. And uh, that's where it started. Uh, aside from that also, the thing about Dungeons & Dragons is that it requires a lot of uh, collaboration to make sure everyone's in the room at the same time, which is annoyingly difficult, right? So what I used to do is that I used to design games, uh, smaller games on the side that a few of us could play while we waited for that one numbnut who decided to take his time.
0: Oh, right. Okay. I mean, speaking personally, I am a dungeon master. I uh, run role-playing games, not just D&D, many different weird and wonderful games out there, which is wonderful. Um, And I can empathize with the idea that we have to wait around. For someone let's you know, let make a little game or something, or play a game that's already out there or something. And so you your your sensibilities, I would say, that are very much geared towards um the methodical and linear or lateral thinking of, of board games or, or, or pen and paper games. And it definitely shines through a muscarada.
1: Yeah, uh, thank you. Uh, I think, but see, I think where to get to Masquerada, we are kind of skipping a step because Masquerada was very much inspired by, or at least uh, brought me back to days of Baldur's Gate, Neverwinter Nights, uh, Icewind Dale, and games like that. So, uh, but I mean, playing it now, playing it again, that chunkiness, that clunkiness of those games. Uh, was something I wanted to address, which is kind of why Masquerada is a little bit uh, stripped down. It's actually—I'll uh, be very honest with you—I don't get to say this very often, but the whole concept of Masquerada was to make an a deep, you know, engaging storytelling game that a working adult could actually play and finish and enjoy. So that yes. means I was, uh, yeah, I was thinking specifically about a, a kind of gamer, a kind of player that craved that kind of experience. That you know. Didn't have the time to do so. They could. They can't sink 180 hours into a you know a role playing game, right? It is.
0: I, it, it bothers me when you see uh, like oh, The Witcher Three, which is a game I still haven't played. But everyone keeps, "Chris, you should play this." It's like I don't have 170 hours to play this game, uh, and uh, I'm, not, I'm not. That's not an exaggeration. I wish it was, but it's not. Uh, but um, no, I, 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 it's a, a condensed. Uh, experience does not necessarily mean uh, uh, uh,
1: uh, a shallow
0: one
1: yeah so that's kind of like the goal so when I, I went in I was telling the team the main idea is to bring back that experience in a in a you know at, at a space that you know a working adult you know with kids and with the job he could actually finish the game because one thing about the you know this day and age when the way steam works is that we barely finish our games
0: yes Oh yes, my my pile of shame. Although, I do uh, a friend of mine on this show actually mentioned that uh, it's not your pile of shame; it's my personal investment in video games industry. <laughs> um, but uh, hey, yes, very grateful. It, it, yeah, yes, very we, very yes, grateful. I do. I do uh, actively support. Of course, I do. And uh, but uh, yes, it, it is a, a perennial problem. It's like half-read books, you know, which I don't have. Mm-hmm. It, I, you know, have a great many of. Um, i start a book not typically i finish it unless it's very bad uh and then i go yeah this is bad this is, which happened to me in harry potter seriously couldn't read couldn't get, <laughs> couldn't get first the first book because because it was bad in my opinion sorry everyone if you're a big fan but writing's terrible um so and and i mean you you obviously sort of encouraged the idea that uh uh, 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 you, you're from that background of design, so your 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 core um, experience is this is very inter- very important to note and very interesting is that your your background isn't in coding in, in, insofar as game design. It really is the mechanics of games, and that's that's really important. It's something that's only been valued and and understood in recent years in video games.
1: Do you agree? Yeah, no. I, I one thing I always found very interesting is that if you look at a totem pole of uh, of the game industry, for some strange reason, uh, designers and writers are very, very low down that totem pole, when they are very much the people who give their game a soul, right? And and which is ironic, considering the fact that you know what holds people to a game is very seldom the code; it's very much the experience and the characters and the story that you remember.
0: Yes. I mean, this show's about design. I could do a show about coding. I, I really could. It wouldn't be very interesting. No offence to coders out there. There probably is podcasts there about coding. Um, I don't know of any. Uh, but there probably is. But it's not. It's a means to an end. It sounds cr- a crass and horrible thing to say, but it is ultimately true. It's a means to... Coding is a means to an end. Uh, and uh, you're right. It's... Um, there should be a, a flip here. The uh, and the, the, what the prominence of the, the actual you know mechanics of the game or the, the craft of the game itself should be should be raised.
1: Yeah, which is why I, there's a controversial thing that I've always said, and I guess I must have put it on record, is that I don't believe there is such thing as a programmer who designs. I believe that there are designers who code.
0: yes. And there are polymaths, you know, those fellows who, who, who can do all the things. Um, and mm. that's fine. Uh, they're very rare when they're very, you know, very good. But they do exist. And uh, fair play to them. But for the most part, it is, you know, there are people who can design and people who can create or construct, sorry. And uh, that's how I believe the industry is split, ultimately. So, mm. um, as a creator of things. Um, what do you believe influences you the most?
1: I think uh, moments so more than not we're looking at game, be it a story moment or a moment remember is that emotional uh, whatever you do things. So the pleasure of uh, you know organizing and executing moves that is difficult versus uh, you know, that one moment where that you care about dies or you know, where you actually see a return for all the investment they put in they all me a lot more. When I try to design I try to design to moments. So it's thing it's a sound bite. It's little that little splits can take you after you put the game down. So I try my best to work towards that. So be visual in the music uh the voice work, you know, or in the gameplay, the mechanics, satisfaction, uh, or the, the catharsis that you get from that particular moment is what I try to design towards.
0: So the feeling of um, the feedback loop, if you will, of the sense of accomplishment and the reward to the player to feel that they are... Um, valued as a person, and uh, and their their experience is valued. That's what drives you. That's what inspires you to to have a positive feeling from the, from the experiences you're creating. Is that right? Uh get
1: and they are in your experience. You know, if I think on gaming, the very human experience and, you know, it has the opportunity
0: to remind us of humanity and we try to do that in the game that we make. Okay, okay. You're breaking up a bit here, so... Uh, um, oh. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure what's going on, but, uh, yeah, the connection's sort of failing a bit. I'm on the yellow bars here. All right, that's very odd. Yeah, I'm not sure why it's All happening. Right. Uh, both. Yeah, I,
1: think we I think we can
0: go on. Okay. Okay. Um, Well, it's it's a laudable uh, uh, response. You know, the human uh, expression or human interaction with with games, that's what drives you, and that's what uh, influences you the greatest. It's it's a laudable uh, cause, and I I, I applaud you for it. Um, So my next question, then, uh, this one's hard to answer because you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, in my opinion, but uh, what developer do you most admire in the industry and why?
1: I think the first person that comes to mind is definitely the Super uh, Mario Gates with Pyre and in yeah. and Transistor. They so have this ability of uh, melding storytelling and game design. And, uh, and the art of Pyre is amazing. It, it comes um, and, yep. and I really hope to replicate something close to that.
0: Yeah you're right it's uh, it is quite incredible what they made there so their ability to to mesh um, story uh with uh, with games is incredible and um it's uh it's so it just demonstrates that games really can be t- used as a tool to tell stories as Masquerada has been uh, of course and um yeah that 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 is important and uh it's something that bothers me that most a lot of people think that the games cannot tell stories or are poor at telling stories but all it requires is just the proper yeah that uh that that connectivity that things that brings us all together is um is, is lost if you think that storytelling or a certain medium is un- incapable of telling stories because uh, that's not true it's just the, plainly not true and I think there's a, there's a long long history of video games doing a great job of um, telling stories some better than others I grant you but uh, they've been used to tell stories for, for decades and yet there's still this uh, prevailing sense that it shouldn't be done and uh, I don't know where that's coming from but it comes from somewhere so the last question of the first half of the show is is uh, one of my favourites because it gives me a sense of you know yes you you not only are you a creator of video games but you also consume them. um What are you
1: playing right now? Oh, so I'm i'm blowing fire on one end and uh, on the other end of the candle. I've been playing lots of actually. I'm still Borderlands Two. It's uh, something that my girlfriend and I really quite enjoy. So where i'm spending my time uh we're actually looking forward to destiny 2 so we'll see how that goes when it
0: comes out later yeah it's only about a month away which is shocking um here we are yes at the time of recording it's only a month away that uh that uh, destiny 2 uh, is arriving which is quite a thing and uh, yeah. i think um, bungie has done a fantastic job of of uh because one thing about bungie they can really they're really good at doing gunplay aren't they
1: Oh, quite uh, there, there's a certain amount of uh, nuance to the to, to, to what they, they create which I, I really enjoy and uh, you know it helps also that my girlfriend's a huge F, uh, you know uh, shooter fan so it makes it a lot easier uh, actually I have to say though having a girlfriend at games makes things a lot easier
0: yeah yeah we having a partner that shares your uh, enthusiasm for a certain thing is beneficial it's not required though. And there's a lot of feeling that oh yes I need you know my my significant other whoever that may be must share my interests.
1: it's absurd yeah, you know it's, it's a bonus it's just a bonus you know it's not something that you should go you're know, actively look for but rather be glad if it exists exactly
0: exactly I've had this conversation many a time it's ludicrous to think otherwise you know <laughs> um, so because you know your friends but some of your friends have interests that you don't have and that's fine you know uh, <laughs> So exactly. I have friends who have, have, friends have massive interest in wrestling. I have zero interest in wrestling, but I don't, you know, don't begrudge their interest. Why would I? You know, why would I?
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
0: Uh, that's how relationships work. Anyway, thanks for Relationship Hour, everyone. You, you join us. <laughs> uh, so, well, that's it for the first half. Well done. You made it. Hooray. Thank uh, you. <laughs> yeah. Yay. And now we go into the second half where we delve deep to Muscarada, Songs and Shadows. Ian, this is the 0th question. Yep. This is the first question, but it's also not really a question. It's a request. Can you tell mm-hmm. us what is Masquerada, Songs and Shadows?
1: Masquerada is, uh, I guess, the best way to describe it. It's an action role play game that was heavily influenced by games like uh, Dragon Age, Baldur's Gate, uh, Neverwinter Nights. This whole idea of control of party while also being able to pause at any moment to, you know, to to pace how you're playing the game uh aside from that, it is a very story driven game where your characters play a very big part in you know the happenings of the world so while the the controls should be uh you know familiar to you right it is the world that would be very fresh
0: yes it's um it is a very sort of uh, no i'm gonna say not traditional but it is a a tactical based rpg in that uh the combat and the in in, in interaction and the engagement with with enemies is um, very pure, and uh, but it is also uh, freeform and uh, it's both turn based and not turn based. You can you can you can choose to play it as you wish, similar mm-hmm. to Baldur's Gate and the games of that ilk. But through it, there's a very very strong. Uh, character creation, character generation, character development side to things that then the player can choose to 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 what style they can create. Because you start off with a character who's the brother of one of the major uh, of, of a major person in the world of Masquerade. I don't want to go into too much detail. I know it's very early in the game, but I'm a big believer, especially in games like this, that they need to. The listener needs to know that they they need to experience it for all of its gloriness not not just the. Uh, so we won't give away too much but uh, it starts off to, in a, a bit of a a dark tone should we say things aren't going great um but it is set in a, an alternate reality isn't it
1: yeah it's set in a fantasy world and uh, yeah. what makes this world absolutely unique is that magic exists in a very particular form So uh, strewn across the city of Umba, there are these things called Masquerine masks as we know them. And they allow you to control the elemental magics. And unfortunately, no one quite knows how to make them anymore. So so there's only so many in the world. What makes it worse is that if you die with a mask upon your face, that mask turns to dust. So that means that it is a very, very sought after commodity and only the very rich have them. So if you think about it, uh, the uh, the wealthy literally wear the wealth on their faces, mm. and uh, you know, and to make that even, you know, let's 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 take the tone even a, a tad darker. In this in this particular city, religion doesn't exist because of the fantasticness of this place, and when there is no religion, without a concept of God, there is also no concept of an afterlife. So what this creates is this this this. Uh, Acceptance that when you die, you are truly gone. You leave nothing behind you, go nowhere. So what the people do to kind of allow themselves to deal with this knowledge is that uh, they when you pass, you know, a song is composed for you, your hopes, your dreams, your your abilities, your achievements, everything is encompassed in a song so that those that come after you will know who you were in life. Unfortunately, the only way for you to have a song is that if you have a mask. And which also leads to what you were talking about because this city is in a state of civil strife as the very poor and the very rich are duking it out and trying to, you know, vie for power.
0: It, it, it does delve into aspects of sociology, which we'll talk about later on in this half. But um, I think we've covered the aspects of the game. So it's an role playing game which uh, is very heavily plot and character-driven. In fact, most of the first half of the game maybe not throughout the game but certainly the initial parts is focused heavily on building up your character and their place in this very strange world uh, and a very strife ridden world as you say mm-hmm. so I'm going to ask you now um, some sort, of de- sort of detailed questions about the game the combat, we've already mentioned it but let's go back to it, it uses a combination of real time and term-based as you've established but one of the things i want to know is
1: how important is the is the timing involved with that i think the timing okay the timing stems from two thoughts one is that we wanted uh, you to be able to play at a pace that you enjoy some people don't really enjoy the frenetic you know, like uh, button mashing, so they want to yeah. slow it down and figure out what they want to do. But on top of that, we do have a combination system, so uh, a combo system. So basically, uh, we have these things called elemental tech. So if you tag an enemy with a certain element, if you hit him with an attack of the same element, you do extra damage, but if you hit him with a, with a different element, right, it will actually blow up in a different way. So for example, if somebody is tagged with fire and you chuck water at him, He's gonna burst into steam and be stunned for a few seconds, blinded by, by by this cloud of smoke, right? So the so the timing matters in that sense. if you want to make sure that uh, you you know you're hitting the enemies at the right time in the right way,
0: that's what I found. I found that I could actually double my damage if I'm clever, if I sort of do something whilst a, a, a debuff, if you want a better phrase, or an effect is occurring. Impacted on a on a player or on a creature, uh, and then then do another attack that's aligned to that particular you know debuff, uh, and it's it it adds some it it prevents button mashing it prevents um, just random. I mean, I always as soon as a combat starts, I immediately hit space. I immediately mm-hmm. do it and say, okay, they're there. That that's the threat. That's the major threat. That one isn't so much the threat. And you just have these three characters that you control simultaneously that you can just, you know, d- d- work together because they can back each other up as well. Um, but um, it's just, uh, uh, I found, that's what I wanted to get through was the importance of timing. It can't be understated.
1: Mm, yeah, so it's all about, you know, uh, also stepping in and stepping out of area of effects, smartly and things like that. Yeah. Uh, I've seen people come up to the uh, you know to us when we were showcasing it packs or whatever, and when you explain to them this debuff tagging system, uh, I did see someone pretty much go through the game uh, nearly. It was nearly watch like watching a dance. It was amazing to see someone else master your game. It's always a pleasure, yeah. and you know to see to see them throw tags and activating them with the right element for the right situation was really an absolute joy to watch.
0: And they get rewarded for that. The player gets rewarded for understanding that. Yeah, if you do that, and if you do this combination action, it's very not slow, but it's very um, you know, it's it's obvious once you figure it out. Uh, it's it's like very, it, the combats last very quickly. You don't take you don't take a lot of damage either as a result. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's quite it's quite devastating how how when you match those 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 uh, signs together or those tags together, if you will, uh, with mm-hmm. the com- with the appropriate uh, uh, offense is. Uh, Yes, devastating. But um, okay, so next question. Then we already mentioned uh, establishes uh, I think Lister understands. But I want to delve into this detail. The story is very much character driven. Uh, how has this impacted on the design of the combat engagements?
1: Well, I'll be very honest with you. With regards, so one so one bit of uh, you know thing that people like to complain about for Masquerade is linearity. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I, I will always share this, and it's something that I try my best to you know convey to people is that uh, the linearity was a choice. So uh, we're a small indie studio out of Singapore, and we had to decide with our resources that we want to have a sprawling RPG that is mediocre or a very, very tight, polished experience that is very linear. And uh, once we found out that, you know, if we went down the linear route, we could actually have the whole thing fully voiced. That's the path that we took and uh, we absolutely have no regrets with the results of that. And because of that also, the game design, you know, kind of tilted towards that direction.
0: Yeah. I mean, it it forces a laser beam-like focus on the whole design team. You know, you can't get sprawling storylines. You can't have three or four people making Skyrim, for pity's sake. Um, So, uh, although maybe there are some people out there trying to do such a thing, but... Ultimately, it's just not possible. Um, so, you know, there's, there's there's limitations you place on yourself, but that's also uh, an enablement. I mean, it's very common, you know. Once you put limitations on yourself, it's a, it's a it's a basic design thing. You put that allows you to work within those limitations that create something wonderful, and that's what you've done here with Masquerada. Mm, um, thank you. Yeah. So you know, it's there's nothing wrong with that. It's You've got to dive into this game, knowing that you're gonna be experience the story and the and the characters within it and that's what i wanted to to talk to you about is that you know the reason I'm talking about you know the design of the combat engagements is that there is a lot of times when combat will cut off or will there's a focus on the main character having to attack. This other person because they they've wronged them in some way or they're they're a, they're a, you know without getting through this person they're, you're not going to be able to get through the plot so they are not only a character they're attacking but also a plot point point. Um and that's that's sort of um, what I was trying to get at with that question but let's now let go on to the next one we talked about the technology or the the magic well, I'm not sure which it is because there is an underlying tone in the game of muscarada that uh technology is, is undermining a society that does not understand how to use it which is fed a lot into the character development i view how did this inform the design of player progression do you think
1: so the masks play a very big role of this in that sense because the masks are the only core technology that everyone depends on in the world uh, so likewise, uh, you know, when you have the masks, it allows you to, uh, you know, so when you play a MOBA, right, you usually have a few few base abilities, but you always have an ultimate. So in our masks are the ultimates. The mask itself houses a spell that's unique upon itself. And depending on what mask you're wearing at the time, you know, you're going to create, uh, you know, you can create different effects on the battlefield, nearly always tight turning right
0: um they, so, yeah they can it's we haven't really explained this or delved into this but the masks imbue not only um you know a sense of wealth but they also give special powers like al- almost uh supernatural well, no actual supernatural powers that allow them to yeah. cast flames from themselves or or grow trees and all sorts of weird and wonderful things they can do incredible things with these just these pieces, of plates of masks that they put on their put on their faces, but they just don't know how, where they come from, who made them. They've got a vague idea who made them, and they've got a vague idea, you know, how they work, but they have no idea how to make them. And um, it's it's definitely an underlying tone of you know. thing that
1: we... yeah, yeah. So so yeah, so the masks actually are front and center in the story. But there's also this additional layer that we put on that I, we don't know whether, you know, it is completely absorbed by the players, but we wanted to make sure that the world made sense. And one of the things we did was that uh, to use the masks very, very well, you focus. So the ability to use the mask is not too dissimilar from like Green Lantern from DC, where his willpower allows him to form things out of the power of it, correct?
0: Yes, yes.
1: Yeah, so so in this case, uh, what what we do is that the the mask runners or the the rebels in this case they're not trained, so they tend to be very uh, chunky with their magic. They wanna, they'll, they'll fling fireballs and things like that, but there, there is a lack of finesse. But on the other hand, the rich who are who are trained, uh, how we do this is that the focus comes from the arts. That means it is through dance and music, and and uh, pen work and things that you know, put you in a huge, nearly uh, meditative state when you're doing them, that allows you, to, uh, that gives you this ability to focus your magic and create, like, fantastic things like summoning, you know, uh, dragons and, and uh, dogs and, you know, simulacrums from, from, from the element that you control. So, we wanted to add this, you know, add to this world the fact that the arts played a big part in power.
0: That yeah again more nuance and depth to this very interesting world that you've created um the fact that you've placed art and crafts in in amongst the idea of well without with art the expression of oneself without that you can't actually engage properly with these masks because that's what they rely on if you want to calm everything down and to uh the ultimate delivery of 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 uh, damage or attacks or effects i should say with these mm-hmm. is you must have a mind that's very centered and clear and uh, not not a, basically a white noise of of chaos you have to have uh, clarity and a sense of self
1: yep definitely
0: mm-hmm. okay last question I know, good things come to an end, but we have to finish mm. somehow. Um, <laughs> I want to ask you about the visual styling, and also the sound as well, uh, of uh, Masquerada Songs and Shadows. its I believe it to be very clean and very crisp, uh, which is um, very much in contrast with the world it's set in, which is in a state of, well, I don't know. Not flux, but it's not. It's not in a great place, and your 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 character's thrown into a, p- a point in its history that um, is things are about to change significantly. Um, how was this design developed? I mean, how was the the overall presentation? What was the overall um, thinking behind it? Why does it look the way it looks? Which, is by the way, very 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 striking.
1: Oh, thank you. Uh... Okay, so with regards to the visuals of the world, I mean, it's set in a very Venetian-inspired city. And Venice is known for its carnival and its mask and its color. So we wanted to contrast... The world itself is very dark. Death stalks the streets. So we wanted to contrast that with bright colors, you know, somehow near trying to hide the fact that, you know, it is such a dangerous city. So all the costumes and the gaudiness, you know, exist that way. But with regards to the style itself... We wanted something to look as uh, timeless as possible, so we started looking at the animation from like all the older things like Dom Bluth classics uh, for the animation style. And of the art style, we went. We wanted to have something feel as though you are reading an, a graphic novel, which is why we picked a very specific style, which is a very French style of comic books. So it looks as though it, it you know, the colors are believable that these are so, but they somehow feel a bit off a bit otherworldly in the color palette so so it gives you the impression that you are in a fantasy world you're not actually on earth and uh, that flowed through from all the uh, all the thoughts that we had about how this world would be portrayed then we layer upon that the sound which came from uh, you know coming back to the whole idea where music is power the ability to use music uh, and sing and play music helps you focus and creates power. We went with that, which is why for uh, Masquerada, we actually uh, had a live choir and a live uh, orchestra to really bring it to life.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously listeners already heard some of the music in the show already. It is incredible, beautifully constructed and 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 uh, arranged and, uh, and performed. It's quite incredible for such a small studio to able to pull that off so yeah well done and it does well, thank it does, you it does so much it um it's, it, it, it it does so much to to the experience and to, to when you're playing the game it's just it adds so much because it really you you get an impression that this world is is uh it places a hey a high importance on on the on arts and uh also the sense of drama and how things are progressing or unfolding before the player, yes?
1: Hmm, I know, I mean I would say that we've been very lucky with the soundscape because the, the music is gorgeous and it takes you to a whole other place but on top of that we were very lucky because as a small studio uh, we wanted to uh, voice act the game and we got some really uh, great voice actors who have turned out to be some really good friends as well and they really bring the characters to life. I, I really don't know what Masquerade would be like without the voices in this game.
0: Yeah, it's uh, that's something else. You're right to, to bring that up. Is that there's a lot of the uh, talking, and um, without uh, if if the voice acting was poor or stilted, it would have undermined it. And it, it is not poor. It's not stilted at all. It, uh, you can feel the actors portraying these people as uh, they understand the plight that they're in, and they really empathize with these. Characters even if they are in a strange mystical world with people wearing masks and casting fireballs at people, they still yeah. somehow <laughs> empathize with with what they what what they' what they're going through and also what I love about it is that there's all well, the characters have a sense of baggage they all're mm. not there's not everyone's all good or all bad there's gray areas, which is of course that's what humans are they're not
1: all good or all bad they're just you know most for the most part anyway. Yeah, but of that, that's actually a very interesting point to bring up because we did something very unique in the development of this game is that we wrote the script before we made the game. So that means that all the voice actors could actually read and absorb and actually give a shit, uh, sorry, give give a you know, give a damn about the characters that they would be portraying on yeah. one part. Uh, and another part was that uh, we uh, recorded the sound ensemble. That means we got the actors who, were, who would be you know, talking to each other in the same room and they're acting off each other. So I think that added to the believability of the dialogue.
0: Ah, huh, yes. Yeah, so rather than sitting in a booth on their own, they're standing in a circle. Exactly, exactly. Looking at each other. Yep. Oh, yep, that, yep. That's, that, that explains a lot. That explains a yeah,
1: lot. Yeah, so, so we were lucky enough to actually sit in and watch some of it. And, you know, they get quite physical, you know, when they're talking. You can see their shoulders round, you know, like they would slink when they're feeling sad. They would... Puff their chest when they, they, this one thing that people don't get is that voice acting is acting; it's not just reading lines, and it's amazing to watch these masters go at it.
0: Yeah, it's um, uh, so I think what we've, uh, what you're talking about here, and what we're sort of underlining here, and we're gonna have to sign off on this, which is sad, but you know, because I could talk for hours about this game, um, is that this is an experience that you're you're being told a story. But you're part of the story. You're you're shifting the story from left and right a little bit. But ultimately, you are starting a story, and it has a beginning, middle, and end. And there's nothing wrong with that. Some of the most celebrated games of recent times are just that. Let me give you a couple of examples. Stanley Parable. It lasts 15 <laughs> minutes. Yeah. You know, but people adore that game for good reason, because a it's very funny, and b it does tell a story from beginning, middle, and end. Gone home, and now Tacoma has just come out. All of these things—they—they—they—they have beginning middles, middles and ends. And oh! Fun are,
1: bit about you... fun bit about Tacoma. Uh, yeah. The voice director for Tacoma is also the voice director for Masquerada. There you go.
0: See, <laughs> so that's 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 good to know. So, um, if you like Tacoma, and you know how the voice acting worked out, then you should play Masquerada as well.
1: Definitely. If they are.
0: I mean, if you're into that kind of thing, and I'm very much into. I mean, uh, I'm a big, I'm a big uh, explorer, that kind of game player, and I don't like pigeon my pigeonhole myself into certain slots. But I very much love experiencing worlds that people have created, and you have certainly done that. Um, So uh, I can only congratulate you. Yeah, I I can only congratulate you and your team for making such an extraordinary thing. So. Let's uh, start off with finding out where they can play Muscarada, Songs and Shadows. Where can they play it?
1: Well, as of right now, it's available on Steam and PS4. In the coming months, we are going to be looking at... uh, No, Xbox will be be at the end of the month, actually. And Switch will probably be towards the end of the year.
0: right. Yes, and you're showing off Switch version at PAX West,
1: is that right? That is correct. So if you want to get your hands, your grubby hands on a Switch version to just see what it's like, that's where you can go.
0: If you can get in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, PAX West has a notorious... uh, reputation for having a ticket sell out in about 20 minutes but uh yeah, if you have many actually i think there's still monday tickets i might be wrong though but uh yeah it's uh, it's it's uh, i'm personally going to pax west and uh, i am looking forward to uh, to checking out the, the switch version of, of Masquerada but uh ian thank you very 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 much for taking part in this show i really appreciate it
1: No, yeah, thank you for having me it's been an absolute joy
0: And uh, I do wish you the very best of luck in your future endeavours, whatever they may be. And, of course, you're more than welcome to come back on and chat about whatever that future endeavour may be. (laughs) That would be lovely. Thank you very much. Okay. Well, thanks, Ian. And so ends another episode of the Sausage Factory. Do leave us an iTunes review. And you can also, don't forget, listen to us on Stitcher.com. So just go to Stitcher.com and you can stream the show from there, you just look up The Sausage Factory and you can find us that'd be great you can follow me on Twitter at Chris O'Regan, no apostrophes and uh, if you want to email me any feedback on the show or actually you're a developer, you listen to the show and want your game featured on it please do email me at chris at spong.com. also don't forget to check out the Computer Game Show, which is the Stablemate podcast, shall we say, of Spong.com. Bye!